0: Welcome to SBJI Factor. I'm John Aran, media reporter for Sports Business Journal. And today I speak with Carol Stiff, a longtime ESPN executive who spent 31 years at the company. Stiff, who was an SBJ game changer in 2016, is now the founder and president of Stiff Sports Media Consulting. And she is one of the most popular people ever to work in Bristol. She joins us today on SBJ iFactor. Carol, welcome to the iFactor.
1: Thank you, happy to be here.
0: uh, I'm happy to talk to you. You've uh, been out of ESPN since July. So for, uh, you know, going on about six months now. You spent a career at ESPN. How did that, did you always wanna work in sports? How did that uh, come together? Well, John, I've always wanted to work in sports
1: because it was in my DNA very early on. Youngest of six, grew up in the neighborhood, mostly of all boys. And uh, it came pretty naturally, the, the athleticism. So uh, a lot of one-on-one games in the backyard, uh, tried to play every sport I could get my hands on in high school, um, attended college at Southern Connecticut State University, which was Division One at the time. Uh, played a little basketball there and then tw- uh, transitioned into field hockey. And then my first job out of college was coaching uh, at, at Western Connecticut, the head field hockey coach at the age of 21. Uh, and then I went up to coach uh, basketball at RPI in Troy, New York, which was division three. They played for the love of the game and not for the NIL and the scholarships and all that we see today. And then I finished my coaching career at Brown University, uh, Ivy League. And I decided just to transition out of that occupation. And I, I heard about this uh, job at ESPN, uh, working on the 10th anniversary party. And John, who, who doesn't want to work on a party, right? Especially at ESPN. So uh, I worked, I worked uh, as a 10th. Uh, in the communications department with Crystal LaPlaca and Rosa Gaddy and Mike Soltis, who you all know, and um, they hired me full time uh, into the programming department, where one day uh, I was working on Nielsen ratings and, and data entry, and Tommy O'Jackson, who worked at ESPN for years, who's at the AAC after um, working at the Big East, um, he just said, you know I don't have time to schedule all these women's basketball games at the time we only had ESPN uh, and ESPN international, no Disney on the on the uh, campus yet. And so one of my first games, maybe a year in was putting together the Yukon, Tennessee game. I got packed to take the game. So and what what year was that? That was uh, spring of 94. Um, That was Tennessee was number
0: one, and and UConn obviously has been been good for for a long time.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a great game. It was uh, a pivotal time for women's basketball, I must say.
0: I wanted to uh, go back a a, a little bit. You're one of six. What's the breakdown in terms of uh, gender? Well, we had four girls and two boys. Uh, What? Growing up, what was it about sports? Was it just that you were a good athlete, so that's sort of how you went? Or is that something that your mother or father sort of really sort of implanted in, in you?
1: It actually came to me through my DNA, through my mom's side. Her brother, Don Donaher, was the legendary basketball coach at Dayton, Dayton Flyers. Um, and so she and I would listen to radio games, radio um, Uh, Don Crookie, I think at uh, New York radio would be calling games and um, up to her death, she watched as much as a basketball as any junkie could watch. Um, Oftentimes I would call her and and check in with her and she'd be like, Duke can't make their free throws. What's the matter with Duke? And I go, mom, you need to turn the TV off. You're going to have a heart attack. (laughs) So uh, no, it, it, my, my uncle really spurred the uh, love for sports
0: um, and through my mom. So you graduated a 21-year-old as a head coach. I imagine you had players that were older than you.
1: That was uh, quite an interesting time because I insisted that they call me coach. And yeah, they they were really good athletes. I'll never forget how athletic they were on the field hockey. We had postseason play that year. but Yeah, it was kind of interesting that they were about the same age that I was.
0: What did you learn from that experience? How did that inform who, who you became as a, as an executive?
1: Well, I leaned on I leaned on Pat Summit, to tell you the truth. I was really um intrigued by her as an athlete in college. And I liked her style. I liked the way she taught. I liked the way she coached. And even when I was coaching, I would go to the final four and I'd go to all of her practices and write note after note after note. And I think growing up as the youngest of six also taught me a lot about team play. And I used that through my 31 years um, at ESPN. I I, uh, surrounded myself with teammates. And some of the teammates were older, some of the teammates were younger, some of the all diverse. And whenever I had to make a major decision, I listened to the team um, and, and made my call. So sports played a massive part of who I am and how I lead to t- even to today.
0: What was it about Pat Summit and the way that she coached that that, that you really learned from? Like
1: re-
0: let's get as specific as possible here.
1: Oh boy. Um, accountability. Everyone was accountable, whether you were the superstar or not. Discipline, uh, that look in her <laughs> eye. Um, she was fair. Uh, and she she loved her players and she was a mom to so many of them that needed, you know, great leadership. Um, so those were sort of the starting five points uh, that I used uh, just by watching her. I even like dressed like when I had my assistant coaches in basketball, you know, we all had I made sure we all had uniform sweats on that looked slick and very professional, um, right down to you know how she led the team onto the court and uh, everything. I just was I used to have all her books. Uh, And uh, she was quite the role model for not only myself, but for so many
0: men and women. Carol, did you have a personal relationship with her at that time?
1: Uh, When I put the game together, she probably had no idea who I was, Um, but part of my style was to uh, pick up the phone on a Friday afternoon before we had all these uh, laptops and instant messaging and snapchat and every every social media you could have um, I would pick up the call pick up the phone on Fridays and just check in with her and I might ask uh, hey what do you think of Georgia next year do you think we should put them on and we would noodle um, teams and then I would um, transition into you know how how's Tyler You know, how's, how's everything going at home? And um, we became friends, um, but, you know, very professional friends. Um, Often she would say, Carol, why are you staying downtown in the hotel for the hall of fame induction ceremony where you can stay, stay at my house, you know, stay at the pool house. And I would never cross that line. I just never wanted to own, owe any coach, any kind of favor um, along my
0: way. That's interesting to me though, that early in your career one of your biggest influences was just studying some somebody who you respected and didn't know in the business and, uh, and coach summit
1: well could you pick a better uh,
0: example to follow john no, <laughs> no i really couldn't but you had a uh, you had dna uh, you had coaching in your dna as you said coming from, uh, from your uncle you started in coaching was it a difficult transition uh, or was it a difficult decision to make when you decided, I need to give this up and, and get into more of the corporate world?
1: It sort of fell into my lap, to be totally honest with you. I, I knew I wanted to, to pivot out of coaching. Um, the thought of 17 and eight year 18-year-olds deciding my future, if they come to my school or not, sort of wore on me. The recruiting trail really wore on me. Uh, and I never thought I would be in corporate America as long as I was. Um, I never took that class in college that, that said who to call back and who not to call back and who to send an email to and who to blind copy an email to. I never used blind copy. Um, so I never thought I'd last. I thought, well, this is kind of a fun gig. Um, the only thing I knew about television was how to turn it on and off. And probably at that time, we didn't have remote controls. So I probably had to get up and go over and turn it off. So the beauty of ESPN is yes, it was corporate, but you never had the same day twice. The phone could ring and it could be about tomorrow night's game. I'll give you a great you know, example. Yukon and South Carolina uh, on Sunday night decided not to play this Thursday night's game on ESPN. So you get those kind of calls. And then the next phone could ring and it's about uh, beach volleyball competition in June. Uh, it's, you know, removing the site or we can't play at that time. And so you just never had the same day twice. And I don't know if I could ever do a job where every day was the same. I just, I don't think you
0: could either, John. No, that's the beauty of covering media. It changes, that the changes, from when I started to now is like, like you said, getting up and, and turning on and off the television. To, uh, you know, pretty soon you'll be able to blink and uh, and make it come on. So you 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 went over to ESPN. You got started in communications with some of my uh, people I know well, Chris Laplaca and uh, and Mike Soltis. Thank goodness you got away from them, uh, Carol. Uh, um, in 1989, I guess that's that was the 10 year anniversary. What was your job in terms of setting up the party and and, and and working working with those that crew?
1: Well, getting a lot of the press media kits out. Uh Rosa Gaddy at the at the time was the uh, head of the department who also uh, turned out to be my mentor at, at ESPN. I, I loved working with Rosa and she was Another in charge great of,
0: mentor to have if it's Pat right. Summon and Rosa Gatty, absolutely.
1: Unbelievable. Uh she was in charge with I think most of all of the uh, event planning from the guest list uh, to the fireworks and Chris Berman and Huey Lewis and the News on stage. And we were at an amusement park across the street. Um, and so she was sort of the point guard for that entire gathering and party. But along with the party, I also did some other grunt work for uh, Soltis and Laplaca and, La um, and Nagel. And I could go down Diane Lamb. Um, and I would, I would do a lot of, uh, a lot of work where, you know, I was making copies and I didn't care. I didn't care at all. Each day was different. Each day I could ask questions each day. I would get there early, stay late, whatever they wanted. I, I would have done in a heartbeat, which I did do. And I just fell in love with the place.
0: How did the programming job that you then went to come about? Was that something where it was like, Well, I'm not going to be an intern in communications. I want something different. Or is it just something that sort of popped up and you said, that sounds interesting. I'm going to go after it. Exactly
1: the latter. It was an opening in the programming department under Bernard Stewart, and it was really data entering. So the schedule that you see in the Reader's Digest or wherever the, the TV guide, I should say, um, my job was to enter all of those sports centers, all of those basketball games, you know, we would code them and put them in the, uh, the computer and um, I'm really proud of this I was doing all this data inputting I was also getting my master's degree at night. Uh, so I made the best of both worlds. And I remember we were, co- we would code everything so sports center code started with an SC and then if it was am or PM we would do am SCAM basketball had BK, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We only had one network, uh, which was ESPN. But I remember putting all of that in, I go, we should add another column. And the woman that was, uh, you know, been doing this for years, she was one of the originals from uh, ESPN uh, 79. She said, what column would you possibly want to add? And we had all these, it looked like a big Excel document. And I said, well, we need to add the gender code. That way we can sort and by gender, and then we would know how many hours of women's sports we're doing and how many hours of men's sports we're doing. And then if it were X games later on, they put the B for uh, both code in. And it came in very handy as we launched ESPNW and as we often are asked by media about the difference between the women's hours versus the men's
0: or, or you know, we can sort by gender. And that was my doing. All right. <laughs> well, and I, I, I can see having to plow through that. We've never done it that way before. Why would we do that? And then you are able to sort of you know, plow through that because it's something you believed in. Indeed. Going through the, uh, the the programming department, what was your plan for growth within the programming department? Did you have one, or did you just sort of seize opportunities as they came about?
1: Didn't really, wasn't really a, a, a strong believer in looking forward as much as I should have and, and did, um, but I knew I had um, an enthusiasm and a drive to find the best windows that we possibly could find for the sports that I worked on. And I worked on a lot of sports, not just women's sports, all the NCAA championships, Um, but growing women's basketball and launching the WNBA was very, very important to me. And along my career, you had pivotal times. So I already mentioned the UConn-Tennessee game, but the Diana Taurasi era when she graduated in 04 from UConn. Uh, Everyone knew her name. Everyone in the newsroom knew her name. And so that's when I went into uh, John Wildhack at the time. And all of our college women's basketball games were on Sunday. Sunday is very crowded. So all my basketball games would be up against that kind of stiff competition. So I went into John Wildhack and I said, could I have one prime time window, just one to showcase the very best basketball games that we can schedule. And that's how big Monday started um, back in 04 because of Diana and the numbers that we saw through the NCAA women's basketball tournament. So, you know, another one came along a few years ago when Thursday night opened up in January and we would have had a great game this past January. So um, I always try to find uh, the facts I needed to go in and pitch um, my belief. And facts always uh, always happen for a reason. And um, my last example would be the, the fact that the national semifinals for women's basketball, the the one-and-done tournament um, in April, that Friday night used to be on ESPN2, and now it's on ESPN. And I had the facts to go into um, the management, and, and that would have been Burke Magnus at the time. and. Um, you know, preach to him about women's basketball, and it des- deserves to be on ESPN. This is one and done basketball. The winner goes on for the national championship. So that's what we did last year.
0: Let's go back to the early 2000s. You have a, a, a just an, a Television star in Diana Taurasi. I mean, she 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 would she owned the whole the, the camera. You know, there are so many close ups of her after making a shot or or, or whatnot. You go into uh, to John Wildhack, who was running programming at the time. How hard of a pitch was it to move that to a primetime window on ESPN? Which you know there there are only so many. There are only seven primetime windows on ESPN. I guess fourteen if you include two. How hard of a pitch did you have to make on that? It wasn't too hard uh john john was very very good
1: leader in listening and having you do what you thought was right sometimes it crashed and failed and often it didn't uh as long as i had my facts i had my passion i gave him some examples of games i would put in there another great example of his leadership was i'll give you another one is softball NCA softball the men's baseball championship had a regional round a super regional round and of course the World Series in Omaha. The women's softball was on a rise. And after a tremendous championship game uh, between, I think it was UCLA and Arizona, one and done championship game, um, I went into John and I said, look at this number, look at these ratings, look at this viewership. If I can find the room, will you allow me to add in with the NCAA's help, a regional round? So we now had, uh, excuse me, Super Regional Rounds. So now we had Regional Rounds, Super Regional Rounds and the College World Series. Uh, and he said, as long as you can figure out how to make all the puzzle pieces work, go for it.
0: That's great. So you spent 31 years at ESPN. I'd say you're one of the most well-liked people from people that I talk to. I, I don't know if you have any enemies in, in inside ESPN. Um, how how were you able to navigate through different uh, groups and 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 people there? What what was sort of your style in terms of uh, and being collaborative?
1: I always remembered my roots. I guess it's kind of corny to say, John, but I just remember that uh, you were there one you know years ago. You were data entering um, at ESPN uh, and. If a chair needs to get moved or a camera tripod needs to get moved. And because I'm a vice president standing next to it, heck, I'm going to move it. You know, it's, I'm not going to walk away. And that's a really simplistic way of saying that I was really a team player and it all comes back to being a point guard and uh, dishing out a lot of assists along the way. And I never forgot that I, um, I was very much a, a person of handwritten notes. I already mentioned picking up the phone on a Friday. I always checked in um, and I had a really good memory of important things, like what your daughter's name is or um, your spouse was, was dealing with cancer and is, is doing well. How are they doing? You know, I, I, you know, getting a meal to someone on the team that, that needed it. Um, it was
0: never below me to do anything like that relationships. Carol, if I was in your position and I needed a chair to be moved, I would have called Krulowitz up in a heartbeat to to have him do it. (laughs) I
1: don't know. He might've taken down. I won't, he
0: might've tripped over it. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So Carol, I, 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 I don't, I don't mean to make you blush. I've said this before, but you are one of the most liked people to come out of, out of Bristol. Why do you think people were so drawn to you?
1: it took a lot of time out of my professional time in my career to network within the company. Um, What I mean by networking is ESPN had these groups entitled employee resource groups, and it's exactly what they were. Uh, And so with that, um, I aligned myself with several of them. The first one was all women's group. The second one I aligned myself in was uh, the family, the different kinds of families we had. Uh, in life and in at ESPN and the third one was equal, which was the LGBTQ community and it allowed me to, to understand what those different groups were going through. I ended up joining all 12, by the way, by the end of it. Um, And it meant the world to me to know that they were leading these groups. This was not run by the president of ESPN. And if they wanted money to have um, an SBJ speaker come in, then we found the money. Or if they wanted to have someone come in and talk about um, uh, opioid crisis in their families, we had speakers come in and do that. And that's what the employees wanted. And so just having the ability to
0: listen to them and act was, was really, really important to me. And then you had people coming from all areas of country up to Bristol. Bristol is, you know, it's close enough to Hartford, I guess, but it's, it's you know, I love going there because you're just on a highway and all of a sudden you see these big satellite dishes, but for young uh, people, it must've been, uh, uh, there must've been some sort of culture shock there. Well, certainly
1: uh, if you went to school at USC and then you're in Bristol, Connecticut, uh, I started a group uh, that I ran out of my own pocket um, for three years where it started with four young women and then they would ask if another woman could join and I would take them out probably about eight times a year just to network. And the some of the things we did, activities we did, we would go bowling or we'd go out to dinner we um, would have a cook-off contest. Uh, we went out for Polish food. And we, I would just sit back and smile watching, it, it grew to be 30, 31, 30 young women joined together and they would sit at a table and just talk and network. And they often would ask once in a while, uh, how do I approach my boss? So that group really meant a lot to me and I still hear from them and I wish them well um,
0: as they try to navigate their careers at ESPN in Bristol, Connecticut. So you're at ESPN for 31 years. Uh, You moved on from ESPN, three full decades. Uh, How difficult was that for you?
1: Uh, At first, it was very, very difficult. and um, I relied on people like George Bodenheimer. George called me the day I left. And he's called me, I think, three times since. Uh, he listens to what I'm thinking about or uh, choosing to pursue. He gives me great confidence. But the best word he gave me was, Carol, you are rewiring. I'm not retiring. I'm rewiring. And that's exactly an what old cable guy if he uses the, the, the word term rewiring. That's because that's the that's the word he used. <laughs> So I learned from him, but I, it was hard at first, but I'm, I am enjoying the opportunity to do different things and learn again, um, and, and use some of my wisdom to advise. And I started my own LLC, stiff sports media consulting, and I'm really enjoying it. And so what are you working on now, Carol? So ESPN uh, has been working on their 50th anniversary of Title IX, which is June 23rd. Um, so I am—I worked on their 30th anniversary, 35, 40, 45th. So it only made sense to have me come back as a, a project worker. And so I'm working with Dawn Porter and Trilogy Films. I'm the executive producer on uh, a series looking back at the 50 years of, ES, of Title IX. Uh, which will air starting in June uh, and we're hoping to see it on Hulu and Disney. The other film I'm working on with ESPN is a look back at the 96 Olympic team with uh, ESPN films. As we all know, they won the gold and had they not won the gold, I'm not sure we would have launched the WNBA. Now the WNBA is 25 years of age. So going back and doing some of those interviews have been fascinating with all the players that's gonna be a three-part, one-hour series. It's that good. It's got that many storylines that ESPN, um, to their credit, decided that one hour isn't enough to tell the story. So that will air in June. I'm also working for the Big East Conference with my friend Val Ackerman, uh, working with, uh, with her team over there at the Big East. I'm also working with Fishbait Solutions out of Charleston, South Carolina with Pete Dirzis and Rod Temple, they hired from, from ESPN. And I also want to share some very exciting news. There is going to be a women's sports network launching in June, coming to all of you, looking for exciting women's sports and women's sports highlights daily. Every
0: single day, I can get a women's sports highlights through the Women's Sports Network coming in June. So I want to wrap this up with a couple of sort of quick hitter questions. Okay. Um, uh, one of my favorites. What's your best failure? It probably came. Um, <laughs> it came in my coaching years as that
1: young twenty-one year old. This this one <laughs> this one woman showed up late for practice, and if you know Pat Summitt, you don't show up late for practice. Well, if you show up late for Carol Stiff, you too uh, will pay a price. And so I had her jogging the perimeter of the field. And it was in August. So it was very, very warm out. And um, I ended up forgetting that I had her jogging and I went on with practice until I caught her out of the corner of my eye and her tongue is hanging out and she's sweating profusely. And I just looked over and I said, all right, you can join us now. So um, that that one came to mind early in my career. Um, failure as- How would you have done that differently, Carol? Oh, I would have had my assistant coach just remind me that oh, we have a, we have someone jog in the perimeter and, and cut it, cut it short before she, uh, um, had a heat exhaustion, um, as a professional, my biggest failure, I probably, I rush too much at times and, uh, I need to, you know, take, a take a breather once in a while and, um, maybe, You know, sit on that email before hitting send. Do you have any regrets? I just regret that I didn't figure out how we could get corporate America to double down and buy women's sports. And I hope that time is here now. Uh, And, you know, these women are great role models, they volunteer in our community, they stay in college, they get good grades, they can multitask, you know, they stay out of trouble. And corporate America isn't spending the dime that they need to. And so, Madison Avenue, you know, wake up. It's time.
0: How do you get away from it all? What do you do? What do you do to relax? Huh.
1: I love this new yoga. It's called hot yoga. Um, I don't like to call it Vikram because I'll just leave it at that. But it, it is hot yoga. Uh, it's 90 minutes, 26 uh, poses, and about 110. Uh, Temperature heated room. So I'm enjoying that, especially being up in the northeast here. And I like to jog. I love bike riding in the summer, mountain biking.
0: What are you reading right now?
1: I was reading Billie Jean King's uh biography, her latest. And I'm also, I had behind me um Michelle
0: Obama's uh book, which I haven't read yet. What are you streaming? SBJ podcasts. <laughs> They're very good, Carol. Yes, that's I I agree. (laughs) The uh, complete the sentence, the sports industry needs to do a better job of selling women's sports, getting committed to women's sports. And then I want to wrap this up. I could talk to you for another uh, full hour, I think, but I want to wrap this up. Sure. Uh, The best career advice that you either you've received or that you've given
1: without any hesitation, it has to be a quote from Madeline Albright at a WNBA reception. Um, Someone asked the question after her uh, speech, would we be in a better place if we had a female president of the United States? Now this is years ago when Donna Orender was the president of the WNBA. And uh, the question came from Tina Thompson, who was playing for Houston at the time. And without any hesitation, Madeline said, look, we need men in our lives. If I didn't have a male uh, president, uh, I would be a secretary behind a desk. But because of that, that man, I became secretary of state. So she goes, I'll leave you with this quote. And the quote is, there's a special place in hell for women that don't help women.
0: And I live by that. That's a, a great way to end this, Carol. I've covered you for for decades. Uh, you're one of my favorite people in the business, and I can't thank you enough for joining the iFactor. And I'm sure I'll see you soon down the road. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it, John. Thanks for joining SBJ iFactor today. Remember to subscribe to SBJ iFactor wherever you listen to your podcasts, and listen to our future episodes that will hit every two weeks.